Welcome to the award-winning Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, as always, brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged and get their loved ones Valentine's Day gifts. 707 Walnut in Philadelphia, always at LLPavorsky.com. I am Spike Eskin, along with the Pulitzer Prize winning, mm-hmm. only blog Pulitzer Prize winner in, uh, in Pulitzer Prize history, Mike, right. Mike Levin. What's up, man? Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Mike. It's been two weeks, uh, but I feel like it's actually sort of good because we've let the news build up. You know, yeah. there's some excitement. It's an event podcast is how I look at it. it. Well, it's always an event podcast, but I think that we, you know, we attack the news sometimes, and I think sometimes we got to let the news attack us, That's and a- we react accordingly. Um, so some housekeeping issues. One of them – well, first – um, bus trip. Uh, I am finalizing. I have sketches of the bus trip T-shirt. So if you ordered bus trip packages, you'll see the T-shirt. I would say no later than Tuesday or Wednesday. It looks pretty cool. Um, the podcast, as always, available on your normal uh, podcast app, but also on iTunes and Stitcher. If you enjoy that, please rate us on iTunes and leave reviews. Please, the reviews are hilarious, and I enjoy reading them. Um, so this is the news for you. So I get a call from the uh, the group ticket sales guy at the Sixers that did uh, Ricky Night at the Sixers. And he's like, hey, man, um, so you guys sold 250 tickets. That was all we made available. You sold all of them. Uh huh. He was like, is there any way you would consider – he goes, I know you wanted to make the deadline January 23rd. But is there any way you'd consider like letting us put more tickets up for people to buy? And I thought to myself, like my instant reaction was no. When I make a deadline, there's a deadline. Sure. But then I thought like if people that listen to the podcast want to go to the game and yeah. like celebrate with us, why would I create like uh, – you know, why Very would I say ar- no? arbitrary deadline. Yes. So, so here's the thing. They are working on something actually extra for us at the game. Um, I'll, hopefully I'll be able to, to confirm that soon enough. But here's the deal. The tickets will be available. They will keep making them available until the night of the game. So the night of the game is February 26th against the Wizards. You get tickets by going to Sixers.com slash promo. Use promo code RTRS. Um, we have now stretched across the arena. So the group is so big that we will be surrounding people. And I think this just makes the <laughs> Surrounding people sounds ominous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the chants are going to be so weird. Like, I just got a good one on Twitter. This is from Ari. He says, I don't know if you guys are full up on Sixers chants, but too good clap clap is a fun one. Uh, yeah. I think that's a very good one. So here's what I'm looking for. So you can order the tickets anytime. Um, the T-shirts, the, uh, the Joel Embiid style um, uh, what's it called? Um, Shirley Temple did this. T-shirts are available uh, until day of, but if you want to get them on time, order them by February nineteenth. Um, you order them at cheesesteaktees.com. You can go to spikeeskin.com or go to you know the right to Ricky Sanchez Twitter just to find the link. It'll be in the link for this post. They're nineteen dollars. That includes shipping. Order them by February nineteenth. Wear them to the game. And the happy hour is at the Cure Auto Club at the center. It'll be from 5 to 7. Yes, if you have season tickets and want to come to the happy hour and don't want to buy these tickets, just come. Um, just say, like, lick face at the door and they'll let you in. Um, so um, so here's the thing. I basically need a chant leader in every section. 
So if you, I need one in every section basically. And what I'm going to do is we're all going to be on the same like um, SMS thread. And like basically I'll send out the do this one and then each chant leader will will do it. So I, I like the fact and that And it is SMS because you do not have an iPhone. I don't have an iPhone. Yeah, yeah, it'll have to be SMS. So that's a little insider tip I just gave everybody. Yeah, I have a, I have a Galaxy. So wow, I know you, you know my my boss actually was like, "Huh, you don't have an iPhone," and he was like judging me. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's become a thing. It's kind of sad that you, see, you like needing to see that like blue text in an iPhone. Yeah, it, I, and not getting it, getting it green. It's kind of like, oh, this guy's that. All right. Uh, well, I. Okay, I don't even want to get into this. But here's what I need. If you want to be a chant leader, I'm, I'm just going to find one in each section. I'm not going to judge you. But you, the, here's the deal. You, you have to be willing when nobody else is standing up doing anything <laughs> to be the one who does that. You have to be shameless. But this I promise the, this you – This is the Brooklyn game, right? No, no, no. This is this is our game. Uh, the Brooklyn game is super easy because we're all in the same like compact okay. area. I'm talking about rights to Ricky Sanchez night at the Sixers. On so Feb- this, is the, this is the Wizards game. I just forgot who yeah. that Playing. Yeah, this is the Wizards game. Like, so the hope yes. is that they're not down by forty. No, but that... we're st- but we're still gonna do it. So yeah, yeah so we're gonna do the process, you know, and like orchard and all of those things. Uh, too good, all those things. So I need one in each um, in each section. So if you are willing to be a chant leader, I need you to send me an email, spike.eskin at gmail.com. I will reach out later this week. We'll get one in each section and then we'll, we'll do it up. Um, this so, is ridiculous. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So crazy. Well, we're going to get on CSN, like obviously. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pat uh, Gallen from CBS3 is going to cover it, is going to come and cover it. So cool. it's going to be awesome. So are you ready to do the actual podcast now? Now that yeah, we have like some podcast. five yeah. minutes of nonsense. So we had promised a lot of Joel Embiid stuff. And we're going to do it. I feel like we need to do the stuff leading up to it so we can have the whole back end to like Embiid our asses off. Is that sure. cool? And I feel like we should say he we're not interviewing Embiid. Oh, yeah. Everybody was Both like – That was a thing. It's, yeah. No. Yeah, and I sort of like – I was like, should I tell them no? And I was like, nah, let them wonder. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Who cares? No, I think it's just because like at the beginning of the season, we decided we can't talk about Embiid yep. all the time because it will hurt too much. And we did a couple podcasts when Bynum was around, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we just decided to try to focus on the people that are here. And the trade deadline is approaching, but it's not approaching fast enough. And it felt like this is the time when we should just let it all out and talk about everything Joel and B can become. Yeah, yeah. We Now we're letting it all hang out. We are... We are allowing we are the we're putting a bucket of eggs right over our head and we're ready for it to be on our faces if the guy never plays. We're ready yeah. we're all in on like why not? Like if you're doing this, dare to dream, right? Let's stop pretending that we're not that already. Yes. Right. And right. Yeah. Own up to it. Yeah. God, the the amount of can you imagine the the retweet Armageddon from the other people? Like oh, we never God. talk about Wait, that. we don't yeah. talk about if they have a retweet Armageddon. <laughs> yes. Sometimes I'll go through my Twitter and look at some stuff I've said in the past and just yep. really want to delete almost everything. Yep. It's G- tough. Yeah, it's it's really tough. The retweet arm again for the haters could be pretty pretty disastrous. It's a good thing that the haters 
don't know what Ritsu Armageddon is. Yes, right, right. That's well, I, I told you, I did explain it to my dad and Tony Bruno at dinner once, but they both oh, stared okay. at me. They both stared at me as if yeah. I was speaking Chinese. Yeah. So they don't, have, they don't have a Brandon Gowden on their side. We do. No, that's correct. We need people who fave, fave for later or like he's for like later. The, he's like the first general of Ritsu Armageddon. <laughs> yeah. All right. So first I wanted to talk about was the um, the sort of – I think we all knew it and maybe it even came out before. The Chris Stapps, Porzingis didn't want to go to the Sixers report that came out and it was on – I don't know if Woj wrote it, but it was on Woj's – like it was on The Vertical. Was basically, the Vertical. It was basically like Chris Stapps' uh, agent and Sam Hinkie had an awkward conversation where Sam was like, you know, what about a physical? No. What about a visit? No. What about you know like like he wouldn't even give him his text number. Like there was no he, like Sam was blocked on Twitter, was not accepting DMs. Like Chris Tapps was not accepting DMs. He did all he could to make sure that the Sixers did not draft Chris Tapps. And this sort of comes on the heels of the New York Post uh, side note that ownership had basically told Sam that he should not select Chris Stapps because the fans would go apeshit. This was like a lot of Chris Stapps stuff all at once. Yeah. I'll tell you my thought on this real quickly, and then you can give yours. My thought on this is that, A, it's not surprising that Chris Stapps' agent did that. It's happened before. Agents mm-hmm. have, had to, have, have tried to direct their clients towards certain places. That's fine. I don't really blame them for that. I actually – my thought is that if the ownership thing – let's say for a, a second that the ownership thing was bogus and Sam was like – if Sam allowed it, allowed those things to have him not take Porzingis, I think that's more – like that's worse to me than the agent trying to get the Sixers not to take Porzingis, right? I mean I guess the question is if this is – assuming this is real, which I think the agent stuff is, how should that have affected Hickey's ability to evaluate him and take him? Yeah, it's tough because the guy also represents Nerlens. Right. Um so I can see just a rationale for for not wanting your top 5ish draft pick client to go play where an- another top pick is already there and a Joel Embiid is eventually hopefully coming. So there's even even like throwing aside the idea that the Sixers are have been very bad for a while and New York is a bigger market for that. I think just for, for in the best interest of both his clients, wanting them to get the most playing time to get the most in free agency. I get it, you know? Yeah, I like I don't I don't begrudge the I don't begrudge anybody for not wanting to go anywhere, to be quite honest with you. You know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I get that. But the, it's. I guess it's sort of like an old feeling about it. If you if you start to dive in too much, it does feel like these are human beings. They should have a say in where they want to go, or at least try to tip it as much as they want. But it's. It's. I mean, it felt like it was so clearly the agent and not Chris Stapps. When he was in Philly, he was said, "I would have come to Philly. I would have been happy playing here." All that stuff. Um, but in terms of what Sam should take, that I think it is really important in just the in just his how he goes about evaluating talent to talk to these guys and to see them right. up close themselves. And I, he saw him play overseas a ton, but if he's not able to get that one-on-one interview, that one-on-one workout, it does impact it. Um, now, if you have 
Chris Stapps as high on your board as I did, and that significantly lower than that that much higher than Okafor, I don't think that it should make a difference. I think you should be still well. This is the guy that we think is the guy, so we're not. Who cares? We're going to draft him, and he'll be here, and then he'll suck it up. Um, but if it's close, if it's 50-50, if it's 51-49, I think I could see Sam just being, well, that's too much of a risk. And maybe when he goes to the owners, that's also a risk. I I think it's a, it's a conversation. It's not them saying this one thing. I think that uh, they're all talking about it together. So maybe that's where the owners were saying, hey – you're close on it anyway. Chris Stapps isn't coming here to work out. It, it, maybe he doesn't want to be here. And also, he's named Chris Stapps Porzingis, and no one's ever seen him play. Fans are gonna we're gonna be laughed out of the building a little. That yeah, kind of, yeah. Like as soon as you it, take him, all the stories about the fact that he doesn't want to come here are going to come out. You know, yeah. Because then the agent's gonna try to get him traded right away. You know, um. It, so. Yeah, and uh, honestly, one thing that going back uh, two and a half years, um, one of the things that when we had that like large, uh, weird blogger breakfast with Sam Hankey at the Penrose Diner, he talked a lot about the um, being able like who the guys were. You know what I mean? And and knowing who these players are, and knowing their work ethic, and knowing yeah. what they care about, and that I guess it's disappointing. I I, I guess I, I'll re I'll I'll rethink what I had said. It's I, I agree with you. If he had had him that much higher than Okafor, it shouldn't have stopped him. But yeah. if if it was close, then it is sort of disappointing that we didn't get the opportunity that he didn't get the opportunity to talk to him because when yeah. Porzingis started talking, like. It became sort of clear that he was he was more confident than yeah, you know sure. you know what I mean like like that that sort of became clear and I would imagine that would have conveyed itself in a one on one interview. I think so also, um, and it's tough because I look at it and I've seen the way Hinky talks about players, the way that he tries to target them, and Jaleel's weaknesses are so evident. And Chris Stapps, while less of a sure thing, I guess you could say, in the traditional, like, what what America has seen, because Jaleel had just been coming off being the best player on the national championship team as a freshman. Uh, Chris Stapps had more a, ver- a more varied level of skills, and obviously that's showing now. And I think that if Jaleel had a Carmelo Anthony playing next to him to take a lot of time and more legitimate veterans nearby, he could be doing, I mean, he is doing very well, but he could be more efficient and stepping out and, and getting better looks and all that stuff, which he has been anyway. But I think that Chris Dapps, if Chris Dapps was put in Jaleel's position right now, he would be failing worse than Jaleel is, I believe. I would think um, so too. I would think so too. I. It's funny to have that... It's hard to have like two conversations at once on that. It's, it's we're like, having eight, I think. No, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying the on that specific issue is that I've tried to. I don't like Okafor at all, um, and I was never big. Like I didn't know anything about Kristaps Porzingis. I, I didn't like his name. I said that over and over and over again. Oh, but, I've, I've liked him for so long. It's such bullshit that he, that but, he's not here. But I would say that, like, I can have that. I can say that I don't like, I don't like Okafor, um, but. 
But if if they did switch positions, I've said that a million times, like Porzingis's effectiveness as a number one scoring option on this team would be disastrous. I think, yeah, like, it would he, drop a lot. Yeah, he would he would have and 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 yes and uh, and Okafor on a team with Anthony and Aflalo and all these other you know um, effective offensive players would make things a lot easier on him, and I think he would be um, you know he would be as he he wouldn't be as big a star as Porzingis because Porzingis like it's funny because he's giant and white and has a funny name yeah. um, and it makes it more fun. But I think he would be getting a plenty of rookie of the year buzz if he was in New York. Uh, yeah, for more than he's yeah, that's getting. what that's what that's what New York does. And I mean, like you look at Yankees prospects in baseball, everyone is overhyped because it's New York and because they talk up their own people a lot. So when they have somebody that they love, it's going to be. In your face everywhere. And I, the bummer with Kripstaps is now I have to hate him. I hate him. He's He has took, taken a heel turn in my heart. And I want him wow. to fail. I want wow. him to fail really bad. Wow. Um, yeah, well, I, I did think when all this stuff came out, I was like, you're having a good time right now, buddy. But um, if you become the number one guy too quickly out there, you are going yes. to find out how they turn on people yeah, uh, the, very quickly. The turn is, the turn is going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk uh, real quick about um, what Charles Barkley said and um, whether the Sixers are too good. But real quickly, I pose this question to uh, Liberty Ballers' own Derek Bodner. I have a couple of trade questions for you, at which we could eventually take into Noah and uh, Bead talk. But uh, just a couple of trade questions for you. I'm very excited because I've been going on. I've been I've been getting the urge on trade deadline to really start hitting it and looking at players, and it's. Uh, my fingers are feeling frisky. Okay. If I told you you could have uh, – I'm not telling you what they would cost. But okay. I'm just telling you you could have you could trade for one of these guys. Kevin Love, Blake Griffin, um, D'Angelo Russell, CJ McCollum, Kyrie Irving. Who are your top two? Um, are we talking about contract or no? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So including contract. Yeah. Who was the one after Kevin Love? It was Love, Griffin – uh-huh. Russell, McCollum, Irving. All right, well, it's not love. Okay. Um I think you probably have to say Griffin. Yeah. Griffin and Kyrie, I think are cuz they're great players now. Like they're top 15 players in the NBA right now. McCollum and D'Angelo have better contracts, obviously or at least rookie contracts. Um and could become something, but I think I think you go with the guys who you know are very good. And especially Kyrie's still so young. Um, so I would probably say Kyrie, Blake, um, D'Angelo, CJ, Love. That's interesting. We have a we're, – we're, we're similar on some things but different on – I don't like Kyrie Irving at all. Um, I, I just think – like there's the reason that he got so much better when LeBron got there is that Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving doesn't have to play point guard really. So he's playing like yeah. this we, he can guard the point guard but play uh-huh. like this weird just go score points and do whatever you do. But I just think it it takes such a certain team to have and he's hurt all that like he's hurt so much. Did you listen to uh, his uh his podcast with Woj on the vertical? No, I didn't know he had a Kyrie one. He did. Okay. And it's really good. I like him a lot, and that's probably affecting me a little bit because okay. he just he just comes off like such a good normal dude that's just like 
hustling and I, I, I like him a lot. I you should listen to the podcast, it's good. Um But yeah, I, I guess I guess I just combine the scoring instincts with how young he is and how good he's been so far. And I, I totally see the point guard stuff, but you know, Ben Simmons can be point guard, that's fine. Yeah. Um I would I have Blake as my number one. Um yeah. but I actually have um like sort of love and McCollum tied for two, um, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. And I don't that really is, that is weird. Yeah, that is. and I, I, I really I don't like Russell at all. Like I don't even like the faces he makes. I, I, I I'm not. I'm just sort of out on Russell for now. Um, Interesting. I, yeah, I don't. He's just slow. I don't. I don't know. I'm not buying it. Whatever. I'll, he's uh, he's less slow, more like change of pacey. Yeah, I guess. Okay. He's he's he doesn't rush. He, he looks like he's in control all, all the right. time. Here's the question I'd ask you that I asked Derek. If you if I give you an eighty percent likelihood that Joel Embiid continues his career without any without any significant injury problems related to this injury problem. Yes. So would you sacrifice Okafor and Noel to put love with Embiid? Um I just don't – I'm just not a huge Kevin Love fan. But to some extent, he's one of the perf- perfect players to put next to him. Yeah, and he's sort of underrated right now, I think, Love. I think he's sort of in a bad spot. Yeah. Um, would I sacrifice both Noel and Okafor if Joel is 80% likely to have a healthy career? Correct. And you and have to make – so we you, still have we still have Rashawn Holmes and Dario Saric, right? Yes, you make the decision right uh, now. The two guys that are gone are Noel and Okafor, and Kevin Love is here. Um, and when does this happen? This season or coming into the off season? Right now. Mm. Because what it does is it also hurts your draft pick. Well, MB doesn't play the rest of the season, so it's yeah. just Kevin Love playing. Yeah, with a bunch of idiots. You're right. Yeah. No offense. Um, a bunch of idiots. Uh, yeah, I would do it. Yeah, I would do okay. it. Okay. All right. Um, and I do then, it mostly for the 80%, though. Yes, yeah. The 80% is what sold me, and Kevin Love is like, okay, and also that, sure. Uh, let's skip the Charles Barkley thing, because I still want to do mid-season awards, and I still want to talk about – what is your concern? Like, It seems like they're definitely going to catch the Lakers. How bummed are you about that on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being – uh, you'll throw a temper tantrum, and one being everything is fine. Uh, I go back and forth so often because I really, 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 really love how the Sixers have not, and it looks like will not, have finish the with the worst record. record in the league yeah. at any point in their three-year run of being hot takey, worst team of all time, embarrassment, league-wide sham. I And if they finish better than the Lakers... I will enjoy it. There's a, a really large part of me that will be able to just rub my balls in so many people's faces for that when they keep saying how bad they are. I mean, like, well, the Bucks were worse, the Wolves were worse, the Knicks were worse, and the Lakers were worse. Well, so, you, you know, the, the problem with it this year is that they will just throw Jerry Colangelo uh, and Mike D'Antoni back in your face and say no, that. No, before they could do that, I'd punch them in the eye. <laughs> Um, so that would feel good. But on the other hand, they the Sixers really, 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 really need 
one of the top two picks. It yeah. needs to happen. It. Uh, I like. I. I still like a lot of those guys in the three to eleven range more than other people do. Uh, I think there's sort of a uh, a snowball effect of how bad this draft class is outside of the top two for for people, and it's certainly a drop off. But there's still a lot of guys that I like and think could become uh, all stars or just very good players. Um, but they need one of those tattoo picks um, because it's got to stop. It's got to stop being almost there, you know. Um, yes. Well, but you could argue, well, I mean, and that will lead us directly into like the Embiid thing, like because yeah. you sort of feel like if he's healthy, you know, I it almost doesn't, to a certain extent, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. I mean, yes. it does matter, but he's the, he's the guy you were after, right? That, so, that's the point of the podcast yeah. today is basically saying Joel Embiid is the guy, has been the guy, and ultimately we're trying to make sure he's healthy and surround him with people that complement his skill set and maximize his potential. All right. So here's here's the rest of the podcast. We're going to do our mid-season awards, which I haven't even run by you yet, so you're get, they're going to come off the top of your head. Okay. Then, we're, then we're going to talk about L.L. Pavorsky, and then the entire second half of the podcast, we're going to talk about uh, Joel Hans Embiid. All right? Did you listen, two seconds. Did you listen yeah. to Brett Brown on the Woj podcast? I did, uh, and he is forever charming and will always yes. have such an enormous place in my heart. Yes. I did think it was comical, and I did convey this uh, to a couple of people within the organization, that the first 25 minutes of the podcast, or 20 minutes, were just Woj going yeah. in on, like, subtweeting Sam Hinkie. Or, like, yeah. he was even adding him. Like, he was, like, he was like dot at Sam Hinkie, like... <laughs> lied about Kendall Marshall, dot at Sam Hickey. You know what I mean? Like he just, every question was just a shot at Hickey. It was, yep. it was like Woj has been waiting for it forever. Yes. Um, so I would like to, first of all, let me tell you something real quickly about the podcast in general. Woj's podcast is, is good and he is better at it than I would have thought like a non- like I know he does radio hits a lot and all that stuff, but the podcast in general is good. Like I listen to it. He gets great guests, obviously, but I listen to I've listened to almost all of them, and it's good. But yes, yeah, that's what I thought he gets about. People to talk about it, but he does. I mean, he talks for so long. His questions are forty-five minutes long. <laughs> He's like explaining to someone, and I get it. Like maybe some people don't know what someone's backstory is, so he kind of is peppering it in for the audience's benefit, but. It's such a it's a long, the question you just go from so many topics and if I'm if I'm trying to answer the question I'm like I have no idea what you're asking me. It's tough because he tries to be Marin I think sometimes he listens to Mark Marin he hears the interviews and he's like maybe I could be that. But it is better than I thought it would be. I wanted it to be kind of bad and awkward, but uh, but he does talk too fucking much, man. Well, and he did. I did think the the burying of Hinky, but I thought Brett was great. He's always Brett's great. Brett's so good. He's so yeah. good. And there's stuff we didn't. I didn't know. There's plenty of stuff in that podcast that I didn't know about. Yeah. Well, the thing about his his teammate dying, what I had never that was a pretty like that was in that podcast, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, that it was it was interesting. Like Brett, 
it's funny, as much as we talk about him and have talked to him and all that, his story is something that I feel like I we don't know a ton of like I know I know the basics of it I know the timeline yeah. but I I don't know I didn't know that much about him uh, in the past and I thought it was interesting to learn that stuff I love I loved hearing hearing him talk about his dad hearing him talk about Popovich it, there was some really really good stuff in there and Brett he's just Brett man he's got he's he's honestly we could talk about this all day and other podcasts but you can take issue with how he's runs plays or subs in guys but he's the perfect coach for this you look at byron scott in la and see how fucking awful he's handling all those young guys and you just it's so much better that we have brett it's they're they're learning they're developing it's not linear but that things are calm and stable and healthy and i want him to be here forever yeah, I hope he's a good, good team coach. And honestly, I would—I have a hard time believing that he wouldn't be, you know. Yeah. Or I have a hard time believing that he wouldn't be good enough. Let's put it that way, you know. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Sixers midseason awards. I remember when we did it like last year, two years ago. I had all the sound effects, which was a lot of fun. Uh, really? But but I'm at home, so I don't have. Yeah. yeah, we had crowd noise and all that stuff. But we like we like turned down to lo-fi. This podcast has become. Yeah. Yeah. But more popular somehow. So yeah, that's whatever. the way it goes. You know, sometimes got to strip it down. All right, Sixers Rookie of the Year. So to me, the uh, the um, the the candidates are Jaleel Okafor, Rashawn Holmes, T.J. McConnell. Right? <laughs> am I am I? I'm not thinking of anyone else, right? Well, Christian Wood, but oh, I guess right. you could okay. maybe. Yeah. Um, Who are you giving it to? I think I Jaleel, I, and I've had issues with Jaleel before the draft and they persist but the fact that he looked at times either in summer league or in preseason or in the first month or two of his career just overmatched as rookies do and that he has developed new parts of his game and improved in other parts of his game and looked less awful on defense I think all of those things combined to for me just be very impressed with how he's handled himself and how he's improved. And I'm not dying to trade him because he, for me, is fun to watch. I know he's less fun for you, but I, I'm i just impressed by him as a whole and especially bouncing back from, from all the, the PR stuff that he had to deal with and he got himself in. Um, I love TJ. And I think he's going to be the rookie year in my heart for the next 20 years. But uh, Jaleel has – I want to give Jaleel credit because we have – we're we've been plenty anti-Jaleel over the course of the last seven months. And, uh, and I'm, I'm proud of the guy. Um, I would give it to TJ McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, I, um, okay. Mo- <laughs> TJ is the best, man. I really do love that dude and I hope he's here forever. Was uh, went back and forth briefly with Rich Hoffman on Twitter about TJ's um, I- improvement, you know, after that hard time in the middle. And to me, it's been a factor of two things. And and this isn't me um, 
one thing sounds more positive than the other. The one thing is he found that 10-foot jumper after he passes the rim, which I think changed his game a little bit and forced people to at least think that he might do it. And I He's think just it, taking the shot more. He's, he yeah. always had that shot. He's just taking it more. Yeah. Yes, yes. His ability to take it his, his, or his decision to take it. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that has, since Ish has gotten here, there is less of a load and he faces yeah. backups more often. And that helps. And that's what he should be doing in his position. And it has helped him and has made him more effective 100% and that's not even an insult that's no no I don't mean it as an insult he's just an undrafted free agent as a rookie uh and he shouldn't have to be playing against Kyrie and Russell Westbrook like he's gonna lose yes as he should right yes all right most improved sixer um so this is the the category is everybody Yes. So to me, the uh, the two candidates, the two leading candidates to me were Jeremy Grant and Robert Covington. Uh-huh. Um, the, now, I know Covington has had an uneven season, but to me, Covington's defensive improvement, at least to my eye, has uh, puts him in this category. Still, I end up with, um, even though he, somehow his shooting has gotten much worse, I'm giving it to Jeremy Grant. I think you could also add Ish Smith to this conversation. Um, uh, really? He's better the, than he was last year? He seems the same. No, he's better. Okay. The, the, the jumper is much better. Okay. Much, much better. Um, it's tough because Jeremy shows it in flashes and it disappears for a while. Um, I will go with Jeremy also because Covington, I think, was as good last year and more consistent last year and Covington will get there the rest of the season, hopefully. Um, but Jeremy has, he, he could just be so good if he can like control himself and like improve his ball handling and have a couple moves that don't involve running into the defender. Um, but he's so skilled in so many other ways. I really, really love him. And want him to uh, to just run train on a second unit with somebody who can help him hit some open shots, that kind of thing. MVP, Sixers MVP of 2016, 2015, 2016. To me, unquestionably, it's Ish Smith. I, yeah. I like. I don't know how you could um, right. I mean, it's definitely Ish Smith. Right. It's it's tough because you look at his shooting numbers, and he really does like just efficiency wise. Oh, it's it's terrible. Bad. It's really yeah. bad. He take he takes bad shots. Thirty a game at least. He takes a bunch. Yeah. Um. But the the biggest difference between the Sixers before he got here and after is that they just don't turn the ball over nearly as much. He's controlling the ball. He's controlling tempo. He's getting to the rim. He's finding open guys. He spaces the floor just by the fact that he can get to the basket well, and that his jumper is, if not an asset it's at least a threat um he's hit a bunch of shots uh if people back off him um it's tough because he does shoot really bad but he uh the limiting turnovers and keeping them from just folding uh in a way that they had before he got here uh is is really really important and you just show obviously the nerland's improvements are are obvious but um, but the way Ish controls the game and and like keeps everybody else in line, yeah, I, it's, has been the most important thing. 
Nerlens is shooting over a hundred percent since Ish Smith got here, which yeah, is crazy. unreal That's, that it would happen. Yeah. Uh, ben Dietrich, our friend Ben Dietrich, is uh, he posted Nerlens' true true shooting percentage by month. Yeah, uh, uh, going up from like in the thirties in October to forty five in November to sixty in December, and now he's shooting in January sixty two point seven percent true shooting percentage. He was shooting forty point eight percent at the end of November, and now he's shooting. Fifty-two point seven percent, which is ninth, ninth yeah. in the NBA. Yeah. Unreal. Ben Dietrich is one of the biggest Nerlens public Nerlens supporters out there. Oh yeah, he, he was driving the Nerlens for Rookie of the Year train um, last year. Well, yeah. I feel like I was driving it, but he was the, the only one that anybody cared about. All right, the most Sixers Sixer. Huh. My vote is for Jakar. I was going to say Jakar. I think yeah. Jakar is it. But I think Rashawn is kind of close too. Yeah. Um, yes, I would agree. It, it's down to those two. I also wanted to give it to um, uh, Lil Sip because I am oh. his I am his last remaining defender. But uh, actually, Lil Sip had a nice little um, run in those uh, in the Knicks game and the win over the Suns. I think it was. Um, I, I actually think he's since his benching he's played better actually, um, and then finally um, before we get to our Joel Embiid stuff, the most disappointing Sixer of twenty fifteen sixteen. Um, I would say Kendall Marshall. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I really like him, and I still believe in him. He just doesn't. He he hasn't earned any playing time, and oh. with Ish being so necessary and TJ playing just good ball. Um, I don't see how he can get the time to get back on the court. I think it'll happen eventually. Um, somebody will get hurt or whatever, but um, he should be better. And it's sad that he's not. Um, I am abstaining uh, from my vote for most disappointing Sixer. Um, Why? Uh, I'm just... I feel like I don't want to hand out the award to anyone uh, specific. Um, you know, I mean, I think some people are probably, um, you know, that we may want to give it to. Uh, we wouldn't for one reason or another. So um, so I won't be giving out the award. Uh, I'm sure tweeters uh, will be able to tell you. You're not you're not picking up what I'm putting down, but people will and will tweet you about it. So I'm so not giving you, up. You gonna say Hollis? No, 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 not at all. He's been exactly Hollis, actually. He's been exactly Hollis. That should be his nickname. Yeah, exactly, exactly Hollis. Hollis Thompson. All right, before we talk oh, wait, about two what? seconds, give me the Hollis. I got I tweeted okay. these Hollis Thompson things the other night. Oh Jesus Christ! You didn't see him. I'm gonna bring him to your face. Okay. Hollis Thompson once again shooting forty percent from deep for this third consecutive season. If the season ended with him shooting over 40% again. He would be just the sixth NBA player in history to shoot 40% on threes in each of his first three seasons, joining Steph Curry, Ben Gordon, Hersey Hawkins, Anthony Morrow, and Clay Thompson. He is a good NBA player that is bad at nothing. <laughs> he will be here for a long time, and I need you to love him. Well... I didn't want to have to present you with this stat because it took a lot of digging and I didn't want to hurt you with it. But 78% of Hollis Thompson's three-pointers have come whether the Sixers are down or up by 14 or more points. Great. 
still counts for the same amount of points. Yeah. Don't bo- don't Bobby Abreu this for me. He's I, great. I, he needs to be respected just like Bobby did. I made that stat up anyway. You're, I this would have believed it though. <laughs> yeah, I know. <clears throat> This is your one-man fight about Hollis Thompson. I don't even know. You're making me into anti-Hollis, and I'm not anti-Hollis. I'm just – I think it's Mark, hilarious Mark, how Mark – pro- Mark Whittington is anti-Hollis, and it really – Yeah, he is. I yeah. Take- I could uh, see how people can look at Jakar and be like, hey, he's not an NBA player. Although he has an NBA body, he's yeah. he's potentially good at defense and is athletic enough to play in the NBA. He just doesn't have a jumper. But Hollis is fine at – everything Let, and elite at one thing i'll tell you you really dodged a bullet when he missed those fucking free throws oh and, my <laughs> god oh god i was watching it just hanging my head yep. losing i was like Fuck, you can't man you gotta pull your end of the bargain here a little i'm doing the thing you, you almost, gotta do the other thing you almost but had to quit the podcast if dude oh. if that if that game had ended on that without him hitting that shot afterward you would have had to quit the podcast that was the most process moment Yes. In Sixers history, Hollis missing three foul shots and coming down and banging a three on the other end. Unreal. And Brett was so happy. You see how happy Brett was yeah. when he made that? Oh, I love this team, man. All right. Before we talk about Joel Embiid, let's talk about the only sponsor of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. That is L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. You know, Mike, Valentine's Day is in two weeks, and L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers and our buddy L.L., dad of Jake Pavorsky, is who you need to go to for Valentine's Day. He's got four Rights to Ricky Sanchez Valentine's Day specials. To Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners only, if you're not in the Philly area or if you are and you can't get down there, he is offering you free shipping. All you have to do is call him, you know, and he will um, he will ship it to you. You know, he'll take your credit card over the phone, whatever. Visit him online, send him an email. The four specials, again, only available to our listeners. He's got the LL Pavorsky Opal Multicolored Forever Rose with a vase, only 89 bucks. A limited quantity, Mike. Uh-huh. He, he has half-carat diamond stud earrings with a Forever Rose and a vase. That's $6.99. Package three, a full-carat uh, diamond stud earrings with the Forever Rose, and that's $9.99. And then package four is the quarter carat diamond stud earrings with the Forever Rose for three ninety nine, seven zero seven Walnut Street, llpavorsky.com. Actually, I forgot LL's phone number. Hold on, let me find it on llpavorsky.com. Um, let's see. Um, wow, it shouldn't be this hard to find his phone number. Okay, oh no, that feels, that feels like a critique. Yeah, no, 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 no. I I missed the contact. I missed the contact thing. Uh, call him at 215-627-2252. Hit him up on Twitter, at LL Pavorsky. Remember, you want to get these in time for Valentine's Day, free shipping. Um, or, like I, I said... I always wait too long. Yeah, you can't. You can't. I mean, can't. get it done. Um, Lee, always available to you. Um, 707 Walnut, or the phone, or the email, or the Twitter. And as the official jeweler of the Rice of Ricky Sanchez podcast, LL makes a very generous donation to the Alzheimer's Association of the Delaware Valley and Rain for every podcast. It is now time for the Joel Embiid portion. Wait, I got I to gotta do my thing. Oh, right. I'm sorry. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. 20% off to anybody whose navicular bone is broken. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm making the deals. Wow. Oh boy. I hope he I hope nobody goes in there. There's gotta be a limit on that, right? 
if Joel comes in with his bone, I think yeah. I think Allow would handle him good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He will he will cut him the twenty percent off. All right. Let's talk about Joel. Let's so so let me let me start off with a couple of quick questions for you. Just a couple of quick percentage questions for you. Your percent chance that you feel like Joel Embiid is going to be what we want him to be and not have significant injury problems throughout his career related to what we're thinking about now. Like what is the percent chance that this comes true? Well, the hope is that all of the the patience and the waiting and the being totally careful means that this won't be a lingering in- injury. That was right. all that we heard was that if you give it a lot of time to rest, it would go away and not become uh, something that recurs. Right. Um, you know, we're guessing. We have no idea. I, I don't. It feels like a thing where they're always going to give him time. They'll always say like, hey, take take a day, especially when he comes back at the first time. I mean you saw that with uh, Tony Roten and Kendall Marshall. Like they gave him minutes restrictions and time off, no back-to-backs. I feel like the rest of Embiid's career, they'll take time and, and handle him well. Um, so if, 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 if they take as many precautions as, as they, I think will, um, then there shouldn't be a reason why he gets hurt and for an extended period of time. So I don't know, 70%. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. Yeah. It feels like, it feels like my heart says, um, 80% and my head says like 60%. You know, I, like, I think that's where I'm at. Like it's hard to ignore we, – we completely forget about like the the back thing that happened too, like the stress fracture in the back. And yeah. I think it more than anything, it, it could if you wanted it to say it points to a certain flaw in his like, you know, genetic makeup that makes wasn't, him – Wasn't the body thing first? The, the back, back thing? thing. The back yes, thing it was. Yes, the back thing was first, and then it yeah. was the foot thing, and then yeah. the foot thing happened again for one for whatever reason we don't know. Um, now, to me, sixty percent is enough to go all in heart wise because, or, or like in my head, because that is a you know it's a better chance than we have of getting the number one draft pick. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. it's still it's still a really good chance. I think. Yeah, I mean, who knows? We're just guessing, but yeah, he turns. 22 in March. Um, but he doesn't have that many basketball miles under him. So it's not like his body is breaking down from wear and tear because he just hasn't played that much basketball. So the hope is that he's not going to have to continue to deal with those nagging injuries and hopefully he can just play conservatively for a couple years or as long as it takes for him for them to be confident that his he's in perfect health. Can I ask you what is and we never really discussed this because I think we assume that the value isn't that high. What are the chances that he gets traded? I think zero. Okay. I I really really think zero. I think um the Sixer we've talked about this a little I think. It's just how much how good he can be and what 
the odds of him being of him never playing it's it's such a wide it's the widest of all ceilings and floors right so i i just think that if you traded him right now i don't know what you'd get you might get a mid first i uh, i don't know and you he's the kind of guy that if you let him go now for 20 cents on the dollar then and he comes back to bite you in the ass and you're going to be like well at least we got a plumley that's not it's going to be the worst feeling in the world so yeah. I, I i wouldn't trade him i wouldn't trade him and certain and the value that other people would give you are not is not close to what he will eventually be or will hopefully be so it's not worth it it's there's so much more value in just holding on to him and hope he gets healthy yeah would you trade him for like if i said if the clippers were like well, if you give us him and you give us the Lakers pick, you can have Blake Griffin. It's just what I mean. That would never happen. Is it? Well, what what if it did? What if it did happen? Yeah. Embiid and Lakers pick for Blake Griffin right now, this second. Yeah, right. This second. Um. Uh. Yeah, yeah. I probably would. Okay. Um. So I guess uh, – so the, the next, I, I think, most um, interesting question about this is uh, given what we've seen so far about with Nerlens and Jaleel at the same time is that who ends up being if, – if Embiid is healthy, which of – who ends up being the odd man out between Okafor and Noel – it seems pretty obvious to me, but but again, I'm I'm biased. But it seems pretty obvious to me that if you keep one of them, Noel is the more like flexible defensively. Um, so you keep Noel, and Okafor ends up the odd man out. And then I guess what is the possibility that nobody's the odd man out, and they just run all three of them, and one of them comes off, you know, Okafor comes off the bench or whatever it is. Like so, so how do you, if he's healthy, how do you see that going forward? I guess. Yeah, I think I. I think there's no rush yet to trade one of them because I think that you want to see Jaleel and Nerlens play together and work through their kinks, and they have gotten better, and Ish being there helps a lot. Um, and it's okay for them to play 20 minutes each, tw- 25 minutes, 24 minutes each on the court without each other, and then right. 10, 15 with each other, and then that's fine. Um, so there's no real rush to do anything. Um when Embiid gets healthy, you do want him to get time. Uh, I think one of them will eventually get traded, uh, just because you're not going to be able to sign all those guys. Like Nerlens needs a contract uh, after next season, right? And Embiid will we need one the season after that, and Jaleel will need one the season after that. So I, I just I don't think that. Uh, hey, Rebel. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think that. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, the mail's here. I would imagine, and that's what. Dude, I I love the mail. The mail's so much fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. The mail for me is only bills, but sure. boy, he hates the mail. Yeah. He hates everything, actually. But I'm so, sorry. Continue. Yeah. So. No. Uh. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be forced into trading anything. It's why I don't think any of those guys are going to be moved at the deadline because I think that it's just not a position of the Sixers aren't in like a prime position to move any of them. They don't uh, know enough. They don't, they don't know enough about like to me if if like they 
there can't there won't be a trade with them until the draft night. Any yeah. significant trade, I don't think. Yeah. Um, they don't know enough, and I think that they, uh, especially now, this far into it, with as much publicity as it's gotten, I don't think that they want to take somebody from Brett that he really needs, unless it's some unless it's some deal that would really knock you blow you away. Uh, I don't think that they're itching to do that now. I, I agree that draft night, it'd be a different story. Um, in terms of who needs to go. If Embiid is healthy versus Nerlens or Jaleel, um, it's a tough call because you're right that Nerlens is more versatile on defense, obviously, even though he's been pretty bad playing against fours. Uh, I think he'll improve. I'm not super worried about it, but he doesn't look – It's it totally mitigates how all of his strengths if you're making right. him play – at the top of the key or whatever. Although he does have good hands and can poke the ball away and steal and all that stuff. Um, but Jaleel is really versatile on offense and, and in a way that I don't think we expected or gave him credit for. His jumper looks good. Really soft when he faces up. He's better face up than he is with his back to the basket. Um, for my money at least because NBA players are, are bigger and stronger and he can't bully his way in like he did in college. Um, so what you're sacrificing on one end, you're sacrificing on the other, depending on which guy you take. Uh, the way I look at it is Jaleel's got more years before they have to pay him and he can get in better shape. He can do this stuff. The clock is ticking more on Nerlens, but again, as I think I've always said, and you've always said, you can hide a guy more on de- on offense than you can hide a guy on defense. Well, yeah, and I'll say this about Nerlens: people people are weird in that, like, well, all you know, I, I'll say, I'll, I'll point to his improved offense when Ish is here, and yeah. they're like, well, all it is is alley oops and dunks. It's like, well, let me tell you something: if you can get dunks and alley oops, like <laughs> that sounds what? great. Yeah, that is the best shot you can get, really. Yeah. I mean, it's a guaranteed two points. So if he has the ability to do that, I don't think it doesn't. That to me, and if he, if they know you're trying to do it, and you can still do it, that what would like? Does it make it better if he shoots it from ten feet away? And it makes him more makes him more versatile. But I don't. Yeah, I don't and think and his his jumper is is getting better. It's not really manifesting itself yet in success, but you can tell. It's looking more like an NBA person's jumper. Yeah, and and I'll tell you, he's a like I don't think he's as limited offensively as he is uh, said. He's a good passer. Um, I think Very he's he sees things, you know. Yeah. Um, now his and his hands, it's amazing. His hands like below his midsection are terrible, but when his hands are above him, he, like yeah. he doesn't he doesn't drop. Um, Alley oops, like like the one handed alley oops happen yeah. a lot with him. It's interesting, like how bad his hands are, sort of low, but how good they are high. So yeah, you know, and also I, I don't I, like Okafor. So I know you don't. I think uh, perfect world, not th- not considering contract or anything. Nerlens fits better with Embiid, maybe like sixty forty than Jaleel does uh, on on both sides of the court, and maybe more even, but. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm giving Jaleel a couple more years to to get there, but contract-wise, it's going to be tough to see how much you're going to have to pay Nerlens. And Jaleel, you have more years to figure it out. Um, 
Nerlens might be asking for a max contract, and is that the value that you can give a guy who has no offensive game outside of catching lobs? Yeah, I'd actually say that I, I'm I'm to the point with him defensively where I think you you talk about like having to pay these guys a lot, and yes. I think I think to a certain extent like if they're good. Then let's pay him, you know. And I sure. think, yeah. I think if if Embiid, is, I I think it's a much bigger question if Embiid is not there. Do you give Nerlens a max contract? But I think if Embiid is there and Embiid is what we think he is, well then I'm okay with giving Nerlens a max contract because I'm okay with that being one of the guys that I am, I am in on, you know, it's moving tough. forward. It's tough because yeah. he's not, he hasn't been, he is Nerlens at the five. He has yes. not been as Nerlens at the four. It, it's, That's true. It's tough to see what what he gets you if if you're playing him for more than ten minutes a game at the four position. Right. That's a good point. It's tough. Um, but I, I guess we try to figure out what what works best with with Embiid's skill set, and you see him. I'm trying to steer the conversation more towards Embiid because we're calling this. The yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you see him hitting shots. Uh, in warm-ups and in practice and all the videos, and that's what he's, that's what's, that's what people are watching. But he, you really want him doing more stuff. Also, you want him doing essentially a more dominant version of what Carl Anthony Towns is doing in Minnesota, which is, you know, running the court and getting the ball where he can do stuff with it, and uh, you can play him in, you can play him out. You want him passing a little bit. It's tough, That's and that's why I think because Jaleel can play in and out, it's exciting to see what sort of offensive game you'd have with those guys because you could, I mean, Jaleel's range doesn't step out to the three-point line, whereas Embiid's does. Um, but it's, it's exciting to think about the kinds of sets you can run with two guys who can just bully people and get by people and have the footwork to score anywhere on the court. Yeah, I think um I think the the interesting thing for me as he's as we've seen him more this year. And it's funny, his pictures like he's a little chubbier than we give him credit for right now. It's funny like if you look Joel? at him in the yeah, like if you look at him in the right picture, he looks like a monster. And then if you look at him in sort of a more casual picture, it's like, "Oh, well, you know, I get it. You're not doing cardio really yet, but um but the thing for me is how hulking a presence he's become yeah. and i i think i you know he's so the, much bigger than those guys you look at a picture and he's yeah. so much bigger than Nerlens and jaleel he's and insane. he is he's not like a 7-2 like boban or there's nothing awkward about his size no um he is a uh like just a giant person and is, i think he is six eight just stretched out in all the ways well, and when you look at him, even his, you know, somebody put on Reddit, I put it on Twitter at some point, like the difference between Embiid at like 16 years old and then 18 years old and now, like just the growth has been yeah. like unreal. But even yeah. just, yeah, just comparing it to the season he spent at Kansas, he does not look like the same person. I no. mean, he he has blossomed and you forget, it makes you forget really how young these guys are in general, that they're still capable of growing like that. But yeah. his his physical presence, is is um, is a really intimidating one, and if he's able to if he's able to put the work in to be a 
you know, a physically dominant guy. I it's almost like a like a DeAndre Jordan with with offensive with more offensive skills in catching yeah. lobs, which oh is my God. frightening. Yeah. Uh. It's like Shaq. It's like you know what I mean? Like it's it I, I don't know. It's it's I, I think the one thing that I wonder most about is how much you know, Nerlens took a year off and Nerlens almost improved as a basketball player because they were able to work on his shot for a year. But that was just a year. And really, you would probably say because of ACL surgery, he was probably okay within six months to, you know, to to do things, to do actual things. Yeah. And Beat has been in a boot for a lot of this time. And I think what will be interesting to see is how long the ramp-up period is after not really playing a ton of basketball for two years. And, you know, we'll never know how much it has hurt him forever to not play basketball for two years you know yeah. in his development if at all but it's something that i think we're we're guessing on yeah i mean if he gets help if he's healthy if the doctors clear him uh after the trade deadline which would mean there's two months left of basketball to play yep do you play him this season uh no not at all. Not even a little no, bit. No, I wouldn't play him this season. I, I just don't think I, – I just – I don't know that – here's – well, I mean this is – I guess this is sort of – I think the, the problem with playing him this season is that – so he gets cleared to do five-on-fives. Well, the time it's going to take him to ramp up to from five on think about the time it took for Kendall Marshall who was just coming off ACL surgery and was playing full court basketball for like three months or two months before he ramped up to be able to come on the court I just don't know that it's possible I think this this question is sort of like um it's sort of answered for us already in that even if the doctors clear him I think the time between ready to play basketball and then ready to play NBA basketball is too long of a time and we don't have enough season left for that. That That's would be my smart. guess. You know? I, I would just say his emotional state over the past two years has fluctuated in such a way that if he's working as hard as they say he's working this year, I almost want to give get him out there just as like a taste, as like a treat, as like a hey, this is what you're fighting for. This is what you. This is how far you still need to go. I totally agree with everything you said, but I, if he's ready to play, I I, I find it hard to tell to be able to tell him like no, not yet, man. Still, yeah, I I would hope that that playing. You know, he was playing five-on-five, five, not organized five, – not Sixers-sanctioned five-on-five, but was playing five-on-five five with guys. Um, I think – I would hope that getting him involved in practice and getting him involved in real scrimmaging and all that stuff would be enough to wet his whistle to where it would not be disheartening for him not to get in there. Like I think it would be a nice carrot for us, but I don't care about us at this point. Um, yeah. Do you remember – do you remember that Andrew Bynum practice where he like finally played, <laughs> yeah. and Nick Nick Young was like, "Holy shit!" And there were people yeah. that like like snuck into the court to like see, and they were like, "I saw yeah, him playing." Yeah. Man, oh god, <laughs> I'm so tired of doing this, man. Yeah. I just want our guys to be healthy. Uh, it's it's so like devastating to be to have the same conversation about will this person ever play? Can we get him in for these last couple games? Is it worth it? Oh man, I just want to be good. Well, let me tell you this. Let me throw this out there as a positive thing. 
I and look again, it was just an ACL, but but um, but Nerlens went from a guy who I was always worried, no matter what happened. Um, and a guy that we thought would be frail because of his body makeup to yeah. what feels like one of the toughest guys we have, you know, to a guy he that let so much. Yeah. And he led the team in minutes last year uh-huh. and, or, and, and this year, you know, he, he, he played through stuff for a while. And mm-hmm. I, I, that, that is just my, like for, for every Andrew Bynum thing that we're scared of, I look to Nerlens and I'm look like, I'm like, well, here he is. You know what I mean? Like Nerlens is just a guy now. And I look, I I cringe every time he falls, but I cringe every time Covington falls and every time, you know, anytime anybody of any meaning falls for us. The the cringe for Nerlens is I'm not scared about that anymore. And I think that's the positive thing that I have with Embiid is that like if I can get there with Nerlens, I can get there with Embiid. We yeah. can get there with Embiid. You know? Yeah. He yeah. Ah, uh, man, I just want to see him play so bad. It's tough. It is really tough. If he – what if – okay, what if they say he's going to play? He's going to play for the last 10, 15 games of the season. We'll sit him on back-to-backs and we'll monitor his minutes and stuff. But first we're going to send him to the D-League and let him get his legs in Delaware. How many people do you think go to that 80, 87ers game? <laughs> Uh, well, it would be sold out. I mean, they would sell out their first. It would be the first sellout of an '87ers game. Like they just play in a, like in a, uh, in the U of Delaware gym. I can't imagine it holds more than a thousand people or something. Oh, it would be man. unreal. The it big question. The big question for me. I'd, as, I'd fly in. I'd fly in for it. Selfish, greedy guy. I would look at like my StubHub Sixers tickets and I'd be like, Hmm, what do I do here? The first game, do I sell? Two fifty a oh, ticket. If, if if Embiid plays yeah, the Sixers, you want yeah, to say, "Oh yeah. man, you got to go to that game, man." Yeah, yeah. Well, we've made our money back this year, so we would go. I would take cousin Alec. Me and cousin Alec would be. By the way, a quick cousin Alec update. So he has NBA Two K sixteen for his. Uh, I think he has Xbox, but um, he he's like a man, he only plays like in general manager and owner mode, and he's like a maniacal like evil general manager. Love so it. when he was in general manager mode, he was like he told me all the players he traded. Like he completely obliterated the team. He he just went for players that were already good. And I called him the other day on his birthday, happy thirteenth birthday, Alec. And I was like, so how's two K going? He goes, uh, I'm in owner mode now. And I was like, oh really? How's that going? And he's like. I applied for relocation to San Francisco. And, oh. I was like, <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? He goes, I can get my own venue out there. Blah, blah. And I'm like, you are the worst. And I was, ta- <laughs> I was talking to my uncle Eric, Alex's dad, and he's like, we better hope he doesn't win the lottery. Like, because if he wins the lottery, he will buy a sports team and move them. Like, that will be, like, That's evil little Alec. Heartless kid. Wow, I yeah, love it. Yeah, very heartless. So... Um, oh, and then I'll tell you, so if Embiid is playing Summer League, I've long threatened my Summer League attending, but you will find you, me at Summer you, League. You've never been? No, I've never been. Oh, yeah. man, Summer League's the best. Yeah, yeah I've I, won. This, 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 I think I've been four straight years. I was there, yeah. I was there before the Sixers were there. Me, hey, me Tanner, and Dave came, came before the Sixers. Was Sixers still playing in Orlando? Oh, Wow. Yeah, I would love when you can't go to Orlando Summer League, right? Well, they're yeah, not even. I mean, you can go as a as like a press reporter. Yeah. yeah. Well, weren't they in Salt Lake City Summer League last year? Weren't they yeah, in Utah they, Summer they did, League? Yeah, uh, the Utah Review or whatever. 
Are you allowed to go to Utah Summer League? Yeah. Oh, I would go to Utah Summer League too. That would well, be fun. Would, you'd go to Utah and Vegas? Did I don't like Vegas. Follow, I like no? I, I don't like Las Vegas as a place. Yeah, but Summer League Vegas is different. It really is different cuz you're do you gamble at all or no? Uh I like playing blackjack, but because yeah. of my personality, I stay away from it. Okay. Um yeah. well, you go hang out, you have a couple drinks or whatever, and you just yeah. see like NBA players and fringe NBA players like down at the casino. That's the f- most fun part. Is you're eating dinner and like I ate dinner next to like Julius Randall last year. Yeah. Like that's you just get kids are there and like these are kids, but they have like their entourage with them and like oh there's Bobby Jackson playing blackjack and it's a whole it's a really weird vibe and I love it. And then you're there for like more than three days and you want to shoot yourself, but me, uh, but yeah, it's great. You got to you go. know while while we're while we're bouncing around, and this is the last thing I'll have. And if you have more Embiid stuff, you can feel free. We can talk about it. Yeah. This is about rights to Ricky Sanchez night at the center. Uh-huh. Um, I am throwing out the fucking gauntlet here. Um, Sam Hinkie, I want you to stop by the fucking happy hour, and I know you're fucking listening, and you know. <laughs> Put you on T-shirts and like, you know, almost uh, severed my relationship with my father because of you. <laughs> I want you to casually stroll into the fucking happy hour. We'll all do the fucking hinky chant. You'll you'll take a couple of pictures and you'll stroll out. But you, it will be legendary. Just walk to the fucking Cure Auto Club. Have Mike Preston walk you there. Walk you out. Like, let's come on. Three hundred of your closest friends. Who all have your side in this Colangelo thing? I know there's no fight, like you say, Mike, but we all have your side if there was one. <laughs> like, let's come on, guy. Fucking walk in there, fucking wave. Like, let's do it. I'm sorry for all the cursing, but that's me throwing down the gauntlet. Hold up it. the fucking Embiid t shirt, you know. Um, I don't even need to know. I don't even need, I'm not asking for any communication from anybody. I need you to fucking stroll in there and wave. You gotta do it, buddy. You gotta do it. Okay, sorry. I, I want him to take a picture with Jaleel Okafor's dad covering up the Sam Hinky face. <laughs> I want you know what I want to do. I want to take a picture with Sam Hinky covering up. Like I'll wear a Jaleel Okafor T-shirt covering up Okafor's face <laughs> and send it, send that to Daddy of a Pro. That's tough. That's tough to hear. All right. Uh, so I want to talk about um, what Ish Embiid looks like. I know. Oh right. I've joked. I've joked about ish being the point guard of the future but if he is counted on to do a lot less shooting yeah there need to he every guy on the court needs to be able to shoot yeah but him um and he needs i mean there's stuff he can do with the ball that is elite in the nba and in, in a world where there's very good point guards in the nba and having just a solid point guard doesn't matter like if you have a guy who's just pass first but like get to the rim speed by everybody lead transition like there's value in that I, obviously he's not gonna ever be a top point guard in the league but it's uh, in just talking about like d'angelo russell and you know i, I was uh finger clicking at a uh, emmanuel Moutier last night and thinking about how that would go and just imagining playing these guys over ish and it's such a bizarre conversation to have but it's tough to go away from a guy who has brought them so far already. And I, I, I agree with Brett in that I think that Ish can keep improving and not become this just journeyman backup. And I just want to see if if him, Noel, 
would look like him him and beat also yeah i i think the biggest thing for him is it it'll be weird to see if somebody wants to pay him too much money based on all of this next year yeah you know, I, like, I can't see i can't say they will i can't imagine they will i think it'll be the sixers i think i think he'll stay in philly so like five million right yeah i would say like like 315 kind of thing yeah Something um, like 420. Sure. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. It's, it's, um, yeah, because the worst thing, honestly, there would be worse things in the new cap than having a backup point guard that you're paying 5 million a year. Yeah. But then you got TJ and he's the perfect backup point guard. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. He's, but Ish is even yeah. better. Yeah. But I'm saying, um, I'm saying if I'm not saying that he is the backup, I'm saying that if you end up with him as the backup, there is a worst case true. scenario. Sure. There are worse things. It's ludicrous to even just talk about, like, and I think that we get hung up on this. I know I do all the time. I look at these guys in the Sixers and be like, okay, well, you know, there's not much room for all these other like real NBA role players that they'd want to yeah, pull in. Yeah, because, because we there's room have for these all guys. of them. Yeah, and it's just like, no, they're all going to be gone. Yeah, yeah. I think yep. that it's hard to hear. Because it feels like, you know, we've been building the things and Sam Hankey has had uh, a few successes in the second round. And there's been nice trades and things have been edging up in, in certain ways. And the team is obviously very, very young and improving in their own odd rate. But I I don't think anything matters until Embiid's healthy. Like, I think all of this, you could have just simulated the season. And not really cared about whose development even Hollis I'll just throw it out there even Hollis's historical run of hitting threes at an astronomical rate uh it doesn't matter unless Embiid comes back when he comes back and plays and dominates then it's like all right we got the guy now let's build a team around this dude and so so let's make it happen. Anything we can do, I would be glad to like give the guy massages if it would help. Whatever, think, whatever I got. You think do. that that's what he needs? He's one. He's one Spike Eskin massage away from health. Bro, I'm not saying. Look, if it's 500 massages, just you know, okay. call on me. You know, I'm there. If Embiid, when Embiid's come back, when Embiid comes back, yeah. Uh, let's say he just comes back at the beginning of next season. Uh, next season's draft class is very good. We do have the Kings pick swap, but how soon into next year uh, do we stop hearing about if the Sixers are too good? Uh, oh no! I like the the last time we hear about the Sixers being too good is this year. We, I feel like we always say that the Sixers no, being no, no. too good is going to no. be forever. They're going to be no. winning championships and be like, "Well, are too they good." Too yeah, yeah, yeah. Winning championships, we're like, "Well, I mean." At 28, you really don't know the difference between the value of 29 or 30 until you're yeah. actually at the draft, you know? Exactly. Um, I gotta, I, we got to wrap up. This is such a long podcast. I hadn't counted on it, but we're at like an hour 15. I love it. Um, Sixers Warriors. Oh, yeah. Today. So so Fantasource tells me that the Sixers, as home dogs since 2014, as home dogs of 15 or more points, are 3-0. and I love um, it. They are plus twenty three fifty two to win tonight, which means uh, if you bet one hundred dollars, um, you would get uh, twenty three hundred dollars back if they Amazing. won. I'm I'm gonna I'm putting ten bucks on them. I'm, uh, I'm, they're they're gonna win. 
They're gonna. I'm win. putting ten. I'm putting ten bucks money line. This feels like the game where we look back on this podcast. Yep. In years and go, yep. oh yeah, Jakar Sampson did beat the Warriors during their best season of all time. Yep. The Steph Curry stopper, um, Jakar Sampson. I think the Sixers should go into tonight and just play the slowest pace they've ever played. <laughs> Like I want a final hold the ball score for 24 seconds and then let yep. Covington hit a three. Yes, big. Well, you can shoot from like 30 feet out. He doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, let's just him. Him. I know you're not huge on him, but I need him and Sip on the court at all times for 30 foot threes. And uh, and let's go for it. Let's uh, let's try to get this win. What if they win? Well, I'll tell you. What's funny what is happens, what happens to the internet if they win. So I am going uh, to see. Jack's Mannequin is in Philly tonight. They're doing the 10th anniversary show tour of uh, Everything in Transit. One of the of course, best. Of course they are. One of the best albums of all time. Um, is that one of my, Dark Blue on that album? Yes. That is one of my five favorite albums of all time. Okay, amazing. So uh, that show starts at 8. So I'm not going to see the last half hour of the six. Oh, wait. Does the Sisters game start at 5 or 6? 5. Oh, does it start at 5? Okay. So I'll be able to see the end of it. Um, what if they win? I don't know. Um the internet would break Explode. on itself. Yeah, yeah. Kim Kardashian's ass has nothing on the Sixers beating the Warriors. No, it would even be better. Like, I don't even know what Kanye West was doing with, like, whatever who he was, he really was tweeting good. about. Was really his, his butt, and he's but... talking about how the earth is not uh, – earth is actually flat. It's It's yeah. been a good week for Twitter, and I yeah. think that – This would Sixers, be the cherry on top. This would be capping it off in a nice yeah. way. I got uh, the Sixers. I got Sixers – 111, Warriors 108. Uh, I'm going Sixers uh, 78, uh, <laughs> Warriors 75. <laughs> um, uh, the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is always brought to you by LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. 707 Walnut, always at LLPavorsky.com. Are you, sir, down with TTP? Yeah, you know, lick face. Uh, first Sixers All Star. Who you got? No oh. All Star. Uh, Covington. I'm always on Covington. Covington before Embiid. Oh, uh, Nerlens. Actually, I'm switching from Covington to Nerlens. I'm saying Nerlens. Okay. Does you? Hollis Thompson get in the three point no. contest? All right. The, the podcast is over. Oh, no, three point contest. Three point. Uh, no, he will not get in the three point contest. Devastating. Covington yeah. should though. Honestly. Yes, I think he should. It's upsetting. He's got the right kind of release for it, too. We're going to talk more about Embiid next time. Yes, we are. We'll talk about, we should have an Embiid section every podcast until he plays. That feels good. So forever. Okay. Easy. Uh, one way or another. All right. Goodbye. All right. See you. Bye. Like I said, won't you hit, son? Don't you